Our reading today continues our study of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, reading verses 32 to 40. Please follow in your own Bibles if you are able. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please keep the passage open in front of you. We're in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray by your spirit that you would teach us now. Help us to understand your word. Help us to see these heroes of the faith and to see how we can imitate them. Father, move us, we pray, to be like them in their trust, in their faith in you. Amen. We can tend to think that faith is a private thing. It's a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call with God. It's a direct messaging with God. It's a one-on-one it's -on -one phone call with God. And it, it is just that. It is me and God, and it doesn't really affect a huge amount else. Now, we do need to be careful. Obviously, our relationship with God does need to be personal. Uh, there are those God spoke to, the, particularly the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, where he criticised them and, and he warned them because their faith was all about ritual and wasn't a personal relationship with God. No, our faith must be personal. Jesus died for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we can call God our Father uh, if we come to Jesus. And so it is personal, it must be personal. But it's not private. Uh, faith must be accompanied by deeds. That's what it says in James chapter 2. It says faith without deeds is dead. In other words, there must be things that you do which you're doing because you have faith in God. 
Otherwise, the faith is dead, James says. And we see this in the faith honours list that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. As you go through the chapter, they are all taking actions. They're taking risks. They're doing amazing things. For none of them would they get to the end of their lives and people go, well, I'm not sure. Did he trust in God? Did she trust in God? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, they trusted in God. They took action. They took risks. And we see that in the passage that we've just had read. The list of heroes of the faith, the faith honours list, just accelerates at this point. And we get loads of them and loads of incidents. And we're to see here that faith takes risks. Well, let's see what that means. The passage divides into three sections. The first section is verses 32 to 35. And we're calling that conquering through faith. And so we see verse 32 begins with a list of names. And uh, the writer is sort of saying, uh, I, I just don't have time to go into these, but here's a list. And gives four people from the book of Judges, then one king, that's David, and a prophet, Samuel. And then talks about the prophets and then says, here are the conquests that they did. Here are the amazing things they did. And verse 32 to 35 is a list of triumphs. And it's amazing to see. Have a look at it. Verse 33, what did they do? Who through faith conquered kingdoms. And they did. Sometimes in incredible ways. Take Gideon, for instance, the first on the list. At the time of Gideon, the, uh, the Midianites were oppressing Israel. And God calls Gideon to go and defeat them. And Gideon gathers his army, but they're outnumbered, four to one. And God says, Gideon, you've got too many people. So God whittles down the numbers of the Israelite army, sending home those who don't want to fight and things like that, until the ratio is then 450 to 1. That is how outnumbered Gideon's army are. And yet he goes and God defeats the Midianites through Gideon. And it's not just Gideon, there are others as well, Barak, Samson, you know, they conquer people, David did as well. And it says, uh, through faith they administered justice, that's probably talking about David's kingdom and how he ruled over that kingdom. Gained what was promised, well there are many promises that God fulfilled, the promise of taking them to the promised land, or of David becoming king, having been taken from a shepherd, lots of promises God fulfilled. What else? Ah, you, you get the fun ones here, don't you? Who shut the mouths of lions. Well, someone like Samson, when the lion leapt at him, he grabbed the lion, ripped it in two with his bare hands. Or Daniel, in the lion's den, thrown in there, survives the night. Uh, what else do you have? Quenched the fury of the flames. That's probably Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who are thrown into a furnace. Why? because they wouldn't bow down and worship a statue. Uh, and yet they survived. They walked around in the furnace. What else? Uh, those who escaped the, the edge of the sword. Well, that could be quite a few people. Yeah, that's probably David. You've got Jeremiah. You've got, you've got others uh, who escaped the edge of the sword. 
And you might think, well, these people, these people in the, 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 the heroes of faith, the faith honours list, if they're on the portrait gallery of faith, their portraits are going to be amazing. They're going to be strong-looking, muscly people with steely determination. Except that would be to miss the point completely. How were they able to do these things? Verse 34, it says, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle, literally were made powerful in battle. You see, the point is, all of those people were weak. They were made strong. Take Gideon. Gideon's a brilliant example. You've got to go back and read about Gideon. Turn to the book of Judges, not now, this afternoon. Read about Gideon. How does it start? Gideon is met by an angel who says to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And yet anyone less like a mighty warrior you couldn't find. I mean, he, he is hiding. He's so frightened of the Midianites, he's hiding in a wine press, trying to thresh grain in a wine press and uh, the, the when the angel says um, uh, he's a mighty warrior and that he's got to rescue israel from the midianites he says i, I can't do that my, my clan's the weakest in in manasseh and and i'm the the least in my family i'm, I'm the weakest i'm the least i can't do this and god says i'll be with you samson I presume Samson wasn't particularly strong. Otherwise, why would everyone be saying, or not particularly muscly, otherwise, why would everyone be saying, what's the secret of your strength? If he was really muscly, everyone would be going, I think I know the secret of your strength. No, he, he was a normal person, like you and me, but God made him strong. You see, what did they have, these Old Testament heroes of the faith? They had the promise of God, and they took action, often reluctantly. Barak wasn't that keen to go out to war. He needed Deborah to hold his hand. Gideon wasn't very keen. Moses didn't really want to go, said to God, send someone else. I'd rather not go. You see, their portraits are not that impressive. You see, the point is, faith is what got them through it. It is through faith. They took a risk. And God strengthened them. And it is the pattern throughout the Bible. God takes the weak and makes them strong. He takes nobodies and uses them. So that it is totally clear it has got to be God who is doing this. As it says in 1 Corinthians, he chooses the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong. All our heroes of the faith are weak people. Mary Newton, C.S. Lewis, Augustine of Hippo, those people we've heard about, are all weak but with a powerful God. You see, faith is not a strength in itself, that as if faith itself is a, is a strength. No, no, no. Faith is, a, well, it's probably a, not a great illustration, but faith is more like an extension lead. It connects you to what's powerful. And the powerful thing is God. You see, as you think about Gideon, Samson, Barak, all those heroes, those people who did incredible things, you're not to think they're amazing. You're to think they're weak, but God is strong. He's amazing. He's the one who did it in them. How are you feeling? Feeling weak? Feeling like you're kind of in the wine press? Bit of a coward, maybe? Hiding away? 
God loves to use people like us. People who are weak, people who are nobodies, to use us for his purposes, for his great purposes. And if you're not a Christian yet, maybe you're thinking, I could never be a Christian. I'm not good enough. Uh, Why would God ever want me? Oh, God loves to take the weak, the foolish, sinners like us. If you'll come to him, he can wash you clean and he can use even you. Now we're to trust God and take a risk. And when there are victories, if there are victories, if there is a kind of conquering, we're to see that is purely because it is God who's done it. But before we go out to take these risks, we do need to hear the next part, which is suffering through faith. So the list takes a bit of a turn. You may have noticed it in verse 35. It says, women received back to their dead, raised to life again. Now that happened uh, with Elijah and Elisha. Uh, But it then takes the twist. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. What's that talking about? Well, it may just be comparing it to uh, the previous bit where it's just said uh, women received their dead back. So the better resurrection might be not being raised to life again in this life, but the resurrection in the future uh, that, uh, that God promises to those who are faithful to him. Uh, so it may be that, or it may be talking about rewards in the future. We've heard earlier in the chapter that we uh, have the promise of rewards in the future. Or maybe those who've suffered uh, and died for the faith will get rewards for that. It goes on. Uh, And uh, in verse 36, it talks about things which maybe the Hebrews readers, the people who are being written to, would themselves have faced. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. We know that they had faced persecution and the writer is saying, come on, keep going, keep being faithful. And then you get some grisly deaths. Verse 37, uh, they were put to death by stoning sawn in two, killed by the sword. Uh, It's thought that Isaiah maybe was sawn in two, and there were others who were killed by the sword. And then you just get descriptions of suffering and poverty in this life. Went about in sheepskin, goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. In other words, this is just suffering, just uh, poverty, being rejected. How did they do that? How did they keep going? How did they keep going faithful to God as the saw was being sharpened, as the swords were being got ready? How did they stay faithful and not just give in and, uh, and give up on the faith? Well, the answer is by faith. And it's uh, the same list. It carries on, doesn't it, from the previous ones. All those conquerings that we thought about where we go, actually, they were weak, but God strengthened them to keep going. Well, the list, it it doesn't actually have a break. It just carried on, didn't it? Which shows that suffering for your faith and keeping going through suffering is just as much an issue of faith as conquering is. You need just as much faith 
to suffer for the gospel as you do to see victories. So how will you keep going? Maybe you're on your own in your family. Maybe it's really tough at the moment. Maybe you're the only Christian there. Maybe you're the only Christian in your friends at school or in the workplace. Maybe it's tough. Maybe you feel lonely and you think, how how am I going to keep going? Or maybe you think about the future and you think, well, maybe there's more suffering to come, sickness, illness. Maybe you think, well, maybe there'll be persecution in this country. Maybe it could get harder for us. How would I keep going? How would I carry on faithful to God? And maybe you think, well, at some point there'll be illness and death. And how will I keep going? How do I know whether I'll carry on? The answer is through faith. Because just as for Gideon and Samson and Barak and all those people with their victories, you don't really look to them because you see they're weak. You look to the God who strengthened them and you say, that God is great. And if that God, the God of the Bible, the God who raised Jesus is at work in me, he could do anything, even though I am weak. Well, so too for those who suffered torture and persevered, those who kept going, even though it meant them dying they kept faithful how because God is powerful and their faith connected them to God it was the extension lead that connected them to God's power to keep going and therefore look to God recognize that you're weak and say God I can't do this by myself I need you to do it in me and he can strengthen you to keep going he's done it we know of people in our church family haven't we who've who've kept faithful right to the end They kept going and it wasn't because they were strong. It's because God is strong and through faith he strengthened them. And so these people in this list took risks. They had God's promises and they took action. And they didn't know how it would turn out, whether it would be victory or whether it would be suffering. But either way... They faced it all through faith, through God strengthening them. We've got one last point, and it's this. We have more reason to risk than they did. We have a greater reason to risk than those Old Testament saints did because we've got something they didn't have. If you're a Christian... Did you know you've got something David didn't have, that Samson didn't have, Gideon didn't have, and they would have loved to have it. They'd have longed to have it. What is it? Verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Now you might think, I thought we saw earlier that they did gain promises. It says that in verse 33. But there's a difference here between the singular and the plural. In verse 33 it says, in the plural, that they gained promises, many promises that God made. But verse 39 talks about uh, a singular promise that they didn't receive, the promise. What's that? Verse 40, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It talks about a promise of being made perfect. Now you might think, well, that's future resurrection. 
But actually, I don't think that quite fits with the flow of the book of Hebrews. It's talked about perfection before. You see, throughout the book of Hebrews, it's talked about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. What the Old Testament saints had and trusted in and were right to trust in and what we've got. And all the time it's saying what we've got is better. It's better. It's better. Uh, In what way? Well, the Old Testament saints, what did they have to do if they sinned? They had to go to the temple and sacrifices would be made, sacrifices of animals. And they had to be repeated over and over again, day by day, year by year, lots of sacrifices made. And the writer says that just shows that in that old covenant, those sacrifices, they couldn't really deal with sin. But we've got something better. We've got Jesus who came as the great high priest and who himself was the better sacrifice and who was sacrificed once for all. That's the repeated refrain throughout Hebrews. Sacrificed once for all so that now if you come to Jesus and you're washed clean by his sacrifice, you don't need any more sacrifices. In fact, you mustn't make any more sacrifices because he's done it. He's completed what, they, what those Old Testament priests couldn't do. And therefore, chapter 10, verse 14 says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He's saying he has made perfect. Uh, Made perfect those who come to him by washing us completely clean of our sin. So that we don't have to come to a temple, not a building, but we can come into the presence of God with confidence, knowing that we've been washed clean by his blood. Oh, we we haven't got rid of all our sin in that we do still make mistakes. We are being made holy, that verse says, but we've been made perfect. So this is something we've got that they didn't have. And therefore, we've got greater reason to risk. But risk doing what? Well, we're not called to go and fight other nations, to go and conquer kingdoms. What are we called to do? What does God's word tell us to do? To take the message of Jesus next door to our neighbours. When we're able to meet with them, to talk with them and tell them about Jesus. To go to our friends, family members, and take that message to them, to go to the lost. We've got to pluck up the courage to speak. Whatever people's religion, whatever their race, their sexuality, we've got to go to them because they desperately need Jesus. He's the only way we can be made perfect. And when we go, it is a risk, isn't it? We go, we take the message, And there may be conquering in that they may trust in Jesus, but there may be suffering. They may hate us for it. But we've got to take the risk. What risk is God calling you to take? Maybe you're housebound or or very ill. Maybe maybe you're thinking, oh, this isn't for me. But we know, actually, even the housebound, even the bedbound can take this risk. We know, uh, for instance, Connie Hunt used to be a member of our church family before she died. She she took those risks, didn't she? She would talk to her carers about Jesus. She can do it. We can. 
and many do keep going don't shrink back but maybe you're tempted to shrink back maybe you feel you have you've pulled back you're not taking those risks anymore well we've got to take courage and and take uh, confidence through those heroes of the faith who through faith conquered through faith suffered maybe we take the example of someone like esther uh, a, a hero of the faith not mentioned on this list but when she had to go into the king to plead for the lives of her people before she went in she said if i perish i perish and she went in and there was a great victory or like shadrach meshach and abednego who uh, before they were thrown into the furnace they talked to the king and they said uh, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace the god we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your ha- your majesty's hand but even if he does not we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up now we'll go we'll go into that furnace if we have to and we'll trust god and trust that god will strengthen us whether it is through conquering or through suffering faith is personal but it is not private it takes risks on the basis of god's promises god's word and looking to God to be our strength. Well, in the light of uh, that passage, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, that you would help us to turn to you, to look to you, to be our strength. Uh, That whether it is through conquering or through suffering, we would turn to you and trust in you and that you would strengthen us. Thank you for the greater reason we have to risk. And we pray that you would help us today, this week, to risk for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others coming to hear of Jesus. Help us to go and be prepared to speak of Jesus. Amen.